0: The AMA Moving Medicine podcast highlights innovation and emerging issues that impact physicians and patients today. Hello, this is the American Medical Association's Moving Medicine video and podcast. Today we're joined by Dr. Lottie Derby, Senior Associate Dean of Faculty and Chief well-being Officer at the University of Colorado School of Medicine in Denver, to talk about the mistreatment and harassment of physicians and its effect on physician well-being. I'm Todd Unger, AMA's Chief Experience Officer in Chicago. Dr. Derby, I've talked to a lot of physicians over the past couple of years and heard uh, stories about harassment during the pandemic. Because uh, a lot of physicians are out there on the front lines, standing up for science on social media, uh, and this has, of course, been a very, very politically charged environment. Um, you know that kind of mistreatment is generally coming from the public and people uh, that ph- physicians don't necessarily personally know. Um, but this is gonna be different that we talk about today because you just authored or co-authored a study uh, that was published in JAMA that looked at harassment of physicians, not by the public, but by patients, uh, their families and other visitors, which I, I imagine could be a lot more complicated. And uh, before we get into the details of the study, Let's start by talking about just the problem itself get a little scope on this. Is this something that has surfaced with the pandemic, or like so many things, did it exist before the pandemic and either wasn't just talked about as much or got worse?
1: It's really a great question. And you know, one that we don't really know the answer to. So our study of, you know, US physicians across the United States was was done about six to nine months into the pandemic. And we asked physicians about their experiences related to mistreatment, you know, by patients, families, and visitors, over the previous year. So, you know, the data we collected was really sort of before the pandemic. And as you already brought up, you know, the pandemic has really brought different issues, different social issues, to the forefront. And there have been, unfortunately, you know, many reports uh, in the media about physicians really experiencing harassment and intimidation. Just you know, related to the COVID-19 pandemic, whether it's about hospital visitation rules, about, you know, masking requirements, and obviously also about vaccines. So I think if anything, if we were to repeat the study today and ask doctors about, you know, their experiences, it's likely to be even more prevalent than it was really a year before the pandemic.
0: Did you have a hypothesis kind of going into the study? And were you kind of surprised by either the levels of harassment that you saw or other, or other aspects of, of the results?
1: Yeah. So you know, there have been studies about mistreatment in general, um, mostly in residents and medical students. And, and the majority of that research was really focused on you know, mistreatment within the culture. So by that, I mean mistreatment by other colleagues. Uh, not much had been done about mistreatment uh, from patients, families, and visitors, and especially physicians' experiences, and how that varied by gender, and how that varied by uh, race and ethnicity. You know, we we did go into it with the hypothesis that physicians who experience, you know, this sort of suboptimal treatment, to say the least, from patients and families and visitors, are probably at higher risk of burnout.
0: Uh, I can imagine that. just. For uh, just to be a little more specific, what are we talking about here in terms of the harassment? Is this comments? Does it go beyond that?
1: So really, both, tied. So you know, in our national study, we asked about experiencing racial or ethnic offensive remarks, which you know about a third of the physicians had experienced. Yeah. Uh, we asked them about offensive sexist remarks, which also about a third experienced. But it was it was more than remarks. It was more than comments. One in five physicians had experienced unwanted sexual advances from patients, families, and visitors, a similar proportion had experienced a situation where a patient or a family member had simply refused them to provide care for a patient because of, you know, the physician's personal attribute. And in terms of physical harm, you know, that was less common, but 15% of the physicians reported that they had been physically harmed uh, by a patient, family, or visitor within the last year.
0: Uh, that is uh, really surprising. I'm going to guess by uh, how you just characterized that, that uh, certain physicians might be more susceptible to this kind of mistreatment. Uh, is, that, is that true, and what is driving that?
1: Yeah, Todd, exactly as, as you'd expect. Women physicians were more likely to experience um, mistreatment and harassment, really, of, of all types. You know, Um, that I already mentioned, as were racial and ethnic minority physicians. So, like, if you dive into some of the data, you know, about 30% of women physicians had experienced unwanted sexual advances from patients, families, or visitors, you know, in contrast to about 15% of men. Um, But when you look at patients refusing care because of a physician's personal attribute, that was also twice as common in women relative to men. And then we see very similar patterns when we look at various racial and ethnic groups uh, in comparison to non-Hispanic white physicians. We took it one step further. So then we also looked at, you know, women and men and how they differed within various racial groups. And it's sort of that intersection, right? So if you're a a woman who's also a racial or ethnic minority member, you're much more likely to have experienced mistreatment from patients, families, and visitors uh, relative to male non-Hispanic physicians.
0: It, it makes me think of a lot of other uh, professions uh, where, you know, you see maybe an established code of conduct, um, which you don't really think of that as something you really have to say um, in a hospital or a physician office setting. Um, is that, you know, something that we need to be more explicit about?
1: I think you're right and that really sort of gets into the you know where do we go from here how should organizations uh respond and and part of that as some institutions have been doing is is really crafting and implementing a patient and visitor conduct policy <laughs> and procedures around that so you know what what do we do as healthcare workers when we uh are the receiving end of a bigoted remark for example from a from a patient a visitor a family member how How should we respond in that situation? And these sorts of of policies can can really help set that uh, expectation and the procedures around that, as well as, you know, in what situation do we simply terminate the care of a patient? How do we do that? When can we do that? Uh, what are ethical ways to doing that um, in a way that supports the healthcare worker and and really promotes our values, right? Of building a diverse and inclusive uh, environment for everybody.
0: To learn more about the AMA Recovery Plan for America's physicians, go to ama-assn.org slash time to rebuild. You know, back to your kind of the hypothesis and the question I asked about uh, the effect of the pandemic. We certainly know that burnout was a problem before the pandemic and that the uh, the pandemic itself ushered in entirely new levels Um, of that, uh, of burnout. You know, you looked at the correlation between now this kind of harassment that we're talking about and burnout. What did you find?
1: Yeah, so as we had hypothesized, you know, physicians who experience mistreatment and harassment at work, you know, that's obviously a work stressor. (laughs) And physicians who've had these sorts of experiences, they were at higher risk for burnout. So even after you control for you know, specialty type and work hours and a variety of other factors. You know, being harassed or belittled or discriminated against by patients, families, and visitors was an independent predictor of physicians being at at higher risk of burnout. And the more often the physician had had these experiences, the higher their risk of burnout. So, you know, if you if you'd had it sort of rarely, it increased your risk of burnout by about twenty some percent. But if you'd had these sorts of mistreatment experiences often, it you know, it increased your odds of burnout by up to 120%. So really staggering uh, impact on people's sense of professional well-being.
0: I guess I would say those are not surprising statistics in the sense that work is stressful as it is. And if you were to layer on something like harassment onto that, I can only imagine uh, the impact, given the environment physicians are w- already working in. Was there anything in addition to this that really surprised you from what you found?
1: I, mean, I I didn't find it really surprising that, you know, physicians were experiencing mistreatment and discrimination by patients, families, and visitors. You know, I am a doctor. I have I've been in practice now for many years of personal experience that I've seen other people experiencing. And, but what I was really disheartened by was that You know, one in five doctors reported having experienced a situation where a patient or family member simply said, you can't care for me, Mm. simply because of the way you look or your personal attributes. And, you know, 40% of black physicians, black male physicians have had such an experience in the last year. And and I really think that's heartbreaking. That's something that we really need to, you know, figure out how to fix so that we can promote an inclusive culture where all clinicians can thrive. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Uh, you, you mentioned you're, you're, of course, a physician, uh, but you also have uh, a role as a chief well-being officer. Um, have you seen physicians personally experience this type of harassment? Um, and if so, how do you handle situations like this?
1: Yeah, it's tough. And, and, you know, there's not necessarily one right way or a great recipe to do it. But in the situations where um, I've experienced a, a patient refusing to be cared for by a colleague due to a personal attribute, like a person's race, for example. You know, the, the first step is really to assess the acuity of the situation, right? You know, if this is an emergency situation where the patient is hemorrhaging, you know, obviously you need to stabilize the patient, right? Or if it's a situation where the patient's mental capacity is questioned, like they're clearly experiencing delirium, you're gonna handle that differently. But all too often, these are experiences that are happening in non-acute situations with patients who are competent and there it's challenging And you know, once I sort of overcome the shock of what Mm -hmm. just happened, you know, it it is important to to step back and to kind of explore the patient's beliefs compassionately. And and that's a really hard thing to do, but I find that sometimes there's misunderstandings that the patients have that can be kind of corrected in the moment. I find it a, a good step to really empathetically listen, and then try to use reasoning and redirection. And and part of that is is simply affirming that, you know, Dr. So-and-so is one of our very best doctors, and they are going to provide outstanding care for you. Um, That can sometimes de-escalate issues. But, you know, at at times you can't redirect, and it becomes really pervasive, and the behavior continues. And in that sort of situation, it's important just to capture direct quotes from what the patient is saying and feed it forward to leadership. And, and there, I think that leaders, whether it's the you know DEI officer, or the patient experience officer, you know, there needs to be a leader within the organization who takes the appropriate steps, you know, to ensure that patient abandonment is guarded against. Um, but at the same time, that you know we can provide um, other options for that individual to seek care at, at different places and facilitate, you know, transfer of medical records if, if that's the situation, um, or at the very least develop a contract. You know, between the patient and the organization, uh, so that we can, you know, avoid um, insensitive or intolerant remarks being made toward any member of our staff.
0: Yeah, it's hard to believe that we do need to be more explicit about that, but it sounds, uh, based on the results, that that's, uh, uh seems like something we would have to explore. I mean, given the nature of the findings from your research, the impact that it's having on on physicians and uh, staff, you know. What is your advice to physicians and to uh, uh, other uh, systems out there who might find themselves in a situation where they're being harassed by a patient or a family, mem- uh, family member?
1: Yeah, I think many of the same principles apply. You know, assessing the acuity situation, considering the patient's mental capacities, and then exploring beliefs with compassion, um, but also you know really standing firm and what, what the values are. Um, it, and then feeding information forward to leadership in situation where the behavior continues. But beyond that, you know, I really hope that that individual um, seeks support. This is incredibly traumatic and stressful, as we've already talked about. It increases the risk of burnout. Um, so I really hope that physicians who have such experiences are seeking peer support or having conversations with colleagues uh, about this experience sort of you know, kind of working through those emotions and uh, making sure that procedures and policies are in place within an organization, you know, to try to reduce the frequency of these things happening and and really building support around the individual who has such a work-related experience.
0: I mean, like so many issues that surround burnout are are system-level factors. Are there any other changes that need to happen at that level so that physicians feel supported and and protected uh, in this case?
1: It really needs to be, you know, a coordinated strategy. So, for example, a physician might be reluctant to say something because they are then worried about what might happen from a patient experience perspective, right? So, you know, there needs to be a coordinated strategy between operational leaders, security leaders, people in the occupational workspace, um, chief diversity officers, as we already talked about, you know, chief well-being officers, some organizations also have workplace violence leaders. And I really think, you know, getting these individuals together to say, okay, what are some strategies that we can allow within our organizations to, to really reduce the frequency of, of these sorts of experiencing happening to our staff and, and building support systems um, when they do happen to mitigate their impact. And, and that really takes collaboration you know, across these multiple different groups within an organization.
0: Well, given the power of uh, you know, what you have learned and the results of this particular study, I have to imagine that you are uh, gonna go and explore this a little bit more deeply since you know, this really is one of the first studies that looked at this type of harassment and its effect on physicians. What other kind of data would you like to see in order to make changes going forward?
1: So we need to, you know, learn more about what are effective strategies, right? So, you know, I talked about policies and procedures like patient visitor conduct policies. Well, okay, how well do they work? You know, what do they need to include in order to work? Um, that's one line of inquiry that I think is very worthwhile to pursue. And and similarly, we talked about, okay, we need to you know, offer peer support and, and um, you know, systems to, to help the individual who does experience you know, um, discrimination, harassment from patients, families, and visitors. And, you know, what, sh- what should that look like um, in order to be effective? So, yeah, we definitely need more research so that we can get to, you know, what I really call the now what, right? How do we reduce these events from happening in the first place and how do we respond better so that the impact on the individual um, isn't as severe?
0: Well, Dr. Derby, thank you so much for uh, shedding light on this uh, really important topic um, and for all the work that you're continuing to do to support physician well-being. That's it for today's Moving Medicine episode. We'll be back soon uh, with another segment. You can find all our videos and podcasts at ama-assn.org podcasts. Thanks for joining us today and please take care. This has been Moving Medicine, a podcast by the American Medical Association. Subscribe to other great AMA podcasts available wherever you listen to yours or visit ama-assn.org podcasts. I'm Todd Unger, and this is Moving Medicine.